It's the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to episode 183 of the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Dryav, and my co-host, the late replacement to my pay-per-view main event, Nick John Braccia the third. We have a lot to talk about. We have UFC 294 to speak about, Nikolai. Mahachev versus Volkanovsky 2. This is some shit that I'm really excited about. Kumar Usman versus Kamzat Chimaev in the co-main event. We got a bunch of pretty solid on-paper fights. We got a bunch of prospects. Um, there's a lot to look forward to on this card, Nick. But, Nick, what's almost, maybe just, maybe more important is the fact that I am finally, finally in the lead, Nick. The I don't know what you're talking about. Where it should be. What do you mean? I won the race. I won the race to second place. It was what I was doing the whole time. My psychology oh. is panning out. I'm, I got you exactly where I want you. So you can, you can keep <laughs> gloating. But the fact of the matter is I'm still in charge of this shit. Nick, I picked up five points in the last event. You picked up three. You were a point and yeah, a half ahead I got leading up to I got it. jobbed on two decisions. Jennifer Maya should have won that fight. Sadiq Yusuf... I don't uh-huh. know what happened. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I think your quote was, Nick, correct me if I'm wrong, there is no way Viviana Rujo can beat Jennifer Maya. And I responded with, here's a way. She can win rounds one and two and then get tired in the third. And that's exactly what happened, motherfucker. Woo! I feel good, Nick. Nick, the world is where it should be. This gives me just a glimmer of hope, Nikolai, in the fact that I am finally back where I should be in the lead. Uh, I've always come through, Nikolai, and, and this is just another example of it. Now, I'm well, getting... you're not up by you're not up by very much, and I've been ahead most of the year. And frankly, I would still be ahead if I didn't get stupid and say, "Let's make things interesting on the Frivola fight," which I still feel confident I would have won if my fighter's leg didn't disintegrate when he pivoted. So what you're saying is that you made some bad decisions and that led you to a bad outcome? Yeah, that's no, uh, I didn't. It wasn't a bad. It, uh, it was an unfortunate. <laughs> dec- it wasn't a bad. It was an unlucky decision. It wasn't a bad decision. If he had gotten, if he had been dominated, um, you know, I would, I would say that was a bad decision. But he didn't even have a chance to fight, and the injury wasn't caused by his opponent. So that was unlucky. Nikolai, the injury was caused by Gamrot. Gamrot has a Polish power thing, Nikolai. Bullshit. He he hits you in the chest now. Moments later, your leg disintegrates. This is how it works, Nikolai. This is how Polish power works. Have you been paying attention? Uh, Have I been paying attention? I grew up with Ivan Putski, whose nickname was Polish power, watching Ivan Putski, going to see Ivan Putski perform in the high schools around Connecticut. I don't know what the hell an Ivan Putski is. You don't know who Ivan Putski was? Oh I my god, Google it. Google this guy. Uh, Polish power Ivan Putski was a, a territorial wrestling star who did especially well uh, in the Northeast for, uh, you know, Vince McMahon, uh, Vincent, uh, who, well, there was Jess McMahon, then there was Vince McMahon Sr., and then he wrestled for Vince McMahon Sr., and then for Vincent Kennedy McMahon, who's the Vince McMahon that we know today. Nick, and, uh, I'm, I'm looking at Ivan Putski's... Uh... Wikipedia right now. Nick, not only does he look like Chris he Benoit. Was, he was like 5'6 and yeah. just jacked. 5'10 five, five, tall and 5'10 wide. Yeah. very. Uh, yeah. And, by, and by the way, 5'10 He tall, wasn't 5'10. He wasn't he five, five, there was no way Absolutely he was 5'10. He's 5'7. 
His his um, elbows end at his nipples, Nick. That's how short his arms are. It's actually kind of amazing. But uh, in any case, Nikolai, the point is that I am finally where I should be. I'm finally in the lead. We can quickly talk about last week's card, and we're just going to breeze over it because, you know, the real important stuff, the real meat of this episode is in UFC 294. But... Edson Barboza, you know, you and I split on this, and it was a it was a hard to pick fight, right? Like it's not like either of us were extremely confident. Although you seem kind of confident in Sadiq Yusuf, no, you were confident in Sadiq Yusuf. I oh, we were we were both right. You were just more right. <laughs> well, but it, no, like I I was. Sadiq, he got right. Edson Barboza got pounded into the ground. The fight could have gotten stopped at any time. He got his ass beat in the first round and was could. You, yeah, he. I said he that Edson Barboza has the grit. I said that he has the five round experience. He has the speed advantage. I said he has the technique advantage. But Sadiq Yusuf, you know, uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of power. Now he showed enough power in that first round. But it's it's just like I've told you before, Nick. In the first round, you can be a D level fighter, and if you're going against a B plus level fighter in that first round, Nick, if you as a D level fighter is willing to put everything into it and willing to just expend all of your energy, you can look good, man. But can I, keep I think that going if you don't finish, he. I do think that he tried and he did better, at least externally. I don't know what was going on with his body chemistry, right? As far it's as called getting beat up, go. Nikolai, beat up. No, no. I mean, in the first round, I thought that Yusuf did like. I didn't feel like he was car winning himself out, a la Shane Carwin, Brock Lesnar. No, he, all he those was years he ago. was tempering himself. Yeah, but he was tempering himself, but he still threw. He probably threw a hundred shots. Like it was, you. He was he was so active in beating up Barbosa for so long that I think he just, I, I think he I think he spent too much energy on the offensive without getting the finish. Well, I'll, I'll put it to you he, this way: for the record, Nick, he threw mm-hmm. eighty strikes in the first round. He threw Sadiq Yusuf threw seventy nine strikes in the second round. He threw seventy nine strikes in the fourth round. And 50, you know, in the mid-50s in rounds three and five. So, like, it doesn't, just looking at these stats, it doesn't seem like he got tired, but he must Well, but a lot of his strikes in the other rounds, there were a lot of uh, pawing jabs. Like, a lot. Like, he threw a a lot with not much on it or from too much, like, from too far away. Yeah. Um, And and that's the thing. Again, the five-round experience thing, that means absolutely everything. An opponent who has grit... That means something. Now I know I know that Barbosa's looked defeated in some of those fights against grapple heavy fighters, but again, the reason I picked Barbosa is because what really troubles him is a pressure pressure striker with heavy power. Which, to be fair, Sadiq Yusuf showed that he has the ability to do that at least for for, an, for a period of time. What else troubles him is a pressure grappler who's just incredibly strong and relentless. And Sadiq Yusuf doesn't have those skills. I think if Sadiq Yusuf had that like like long term wrestling prowess in his arsenal, he could have done well here. But again, the lack of five round experience. We've seen Sadiq Yusuf in multiple fights now, and I spoke about this last week. We've seen him get tired toward the latter end of a fight. We've seen it in his matchup against Arnold Allen, in which he was looking pretty decent early. Um, actually, you know what? If if I'm not mistaken, he looked pretty good in the third round of that one. Alex Caceres had a good third round against him. Um, Andre Feely had a good third round against him, and so. The odds of him being really fresh throughout a five-round fight was hard for me to believe, but um, you know the question was: Is Edson Barboza washed enough to get dropped by him and finished? And to be honest, he's not far off, right? He he didn't necessarily have the durability, but he had the recovery to make it through, and he had the experience to get back into the driver's seat. It was really impressive by Edson. Man. It was, and good on him. I also think we got a sense of how much work Yusuf has to do. Um, 
you know, it was one of those things where his corner after the fourth down was like, you're super Sadiq Yusuf. And you could see kind of the blank look on his face. And I was thinking to myself, well, what does that mean? Well, what it means is the what point of that, I think, was to motivate him. I think Ray Longo oh, no, talked but, about this, right? Yeah, yeah, go on. But, but, I mean, when you think about the ceiling of for what he has shown, like, I was just like, well, what, what, like, I was just thinking to myself, what else can he do? What does this guy have in the tank? I was just thinking about what, what's his position going to be at one at 145? Like, where, where does he fit into the mix? What well, is this, th- this could either be, um, you know, again, this would be his second prospect loss, right? And so, like, you have to start considering him more of a contender than a prospect at some point. He appears young. Uh, let me quickly look at Sadiq Yusuf's age. He is 30 years old. I mean, he's still relatively young, right? But he's really only got about three not years. For one, four, not for 1-4. Right. Yeah, for 1-4. I wouldn't say that's a prospect at 1-4. You can't be a 30-year-old prospect at 145, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, and that's fair. And again, he is a top 15 ranked ba- uh, featherweight, right? And so... You know, more of a contender at this point. And, yeah, he took this loss, and it, it was a tough one. But I do think the five-run experience is going to do a lot for him. And I think that, like, with the right kind of steps up from here, it, it will be helpful. But, again, think about just, like, the like the majority of his opponents have been mid, mid-level mid guys. Shaman Marais, Gabriel uh, Benitez, Andre Philly, Alex Caceres, right? These are mid-level guys. And then a huge step up to the Arnold Allens and Edson Barbosas. He, I, I do think he could use some experience against that in-between. And there is, there is like a, a like you know, a bit like a Billy Quarantillo like yeah yeah that that would be a fantastic matchup to make next especially with Billy's kind of trajectory up and with Sadiq Yusuf being stunted on his way up a little bit I think that would be a great matchup that could easily be a main event and it would give Yusuf the kind of experience he needs against a, an opponent that like the odds should be shouldn't be too far off from fifty fifty in that one right 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 like. Quarantillo or, or or Bill Algio, like either of those matchups, I think would work really well. Lerone, for uh, he hasn't he hasn't fought Lerone Murphy, right? That's interesting. Uh, Lerone would be a fascinating matchup too, but I don't know if Lerone's necessarily like like he, he hasn't yeah. necessarily shown himself to be like he hasn't had the chance to fight that top fifteen level competition yet. So it would be more of a setup for Lerone, more of an opportunity for him than anything yeah. else. Um, but yeah, I, I think that matchup works pretty well for Sadiq Yusuf as well, and for Edson Barboza. You know, it's a little bit tougher. He's faced some of the best. Like, is he's realistically a gatekeeper to the stars now, right? If you can beat Edson Barboza, you are top five, top six material. If you can't, you're not quite ready for it yet. And I think there's a there, there's a, a a less forgivable way to lose to Barboza than by a hard fought war. Um, so you know, it's not the worst thing on Sadiq Yusuf. Who who would you uh, uh, match up Edson? I mean, the other. Uh, I mean, I'd love to see Edson rematch Dan Ige, because um, that was a. You know, I that, guess, but I the, each of those guys should be used as as either as a gatekeeper. I don't know. I mean, I know, but it was unfinished. It was. I bet you it was unfinished business. I feel like that was a very, very, very close, controversial decision. Yeah. Um, and I don't think in, in, in neither one of these guys is going for you know is going to go for the belt. Uh, How about Edson versus so. Giga? They already fought. Giga knocked him out. Oh yeah, yeah, that's fair. Okay, Edson that was one of the versus... reasons why I, uh, Edson versus Cater. Uh, Boom. Yeah, that's, that's Edson versus Cater would be super Emmett, exciting. Emmett works. I think you almost mentioned his name, right? Josh Emmett works. I don't know what Brian Ortega's up to. Um, I mean, yeah, Ortega. Like place. We haven't seen Ortega in forever. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, like, what's tricky about yeah. that matchup against the Calvin Cater or Josh Emmett is that they're ranked above him, but they're both guys that are not going to be champion. That's clear. And so they're in that Edson territory. That could be a good main event. But if you want to give like an up-and-comer a great opportunity, then I guess it would be like a Lerone Murphy-level uh, fight, right? Lerone Murphy ranked at number 14 at the moment. 
Um, I think that would probably be a fair one. Mofsar Evlov, I think that would be interesting because does Mofsar have, like, can you do it over five rounds, beat somebody like Edson? Like, on paper, he's got the skill set, but we've seen him in trouble in the in-between, in-between, excuse me, in-between his takedowns. Um, and so, like, that would be an interesting one, but that would be more of a setup for Mofsar, and Mofsar is ranked above Edson already, so I guess there's not a whole lot of upside for Mofsar to take that matchup and a lot of risk. Um, and you know what would be really fun? Yeah. I mean, this is just this is just a fun fight. Um I don't I haven't heard anything about this guy moving, but it could a change in weight might help spruce up his career. I wouldn't mind mind watching Petr Jan against Barbosa. Jan is sort of struggling at one thirty five right now. Yeah, Jan is just kind of small for one thirty five. I think he's around five six, yeah. five seven. Uh, you know, Edson's a former fifty five er. Jan's a former thirty five er. I mean, is it best case for Jan? No, I'd, I'd say it's more risk than a reward. To be honest with you, with how dangerous Edson is. Um, who knows how you know Piotr's power will translate? I think Piotr now with this new champion, he has potentially a pathway. He can make the argument that he beat Sean O'Malley, and so if he can string a couple of wins together, there's a chance that the UFC would give him a title shot over uh, Marab Devashvili because the UFC does not want Marab to beat O'Malley. So there, there's no, it would be crazy for that to happen. The reason that O'Malley is fighting Cheeto Vera is because O'Malley prefers to fight Cheeto Vera. It's a good style matchup and. There's something to sell the fight, but more importantly, this is a winnable fight for O'Malley, and they want to keep O'Malley as a champion. Uh, Nikolai, I think so that's... We- so yeah. weird, by the way, that Jonathan Martinez called out Marab. Honestly, it's, it's, Martinez, it's, a, it's a smart call, and he said, and the way he called him out wasn't like, "Rob, I'm going to take your." He was like, "Listen." Oh no, it was it was. Respectful. I know it's not likely. Like, He's like, "I know it's not likely, but I'd love to fight Rob." UFC is not trying to give Rob a title shot. UFC would place him in that matchup. I know it seemed unlikely, and it also seemed like a really really hard matchup for Martinez. I don't know. Well, well, thought. that's part of what I respect about it, though, right? Like, how how often I do res- you see? I mean, I respect it. I'm just like that's crazy. I just like that's nuts. Yeah, no, it's 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 ballsy, but I respect the hell out of that kind of call out. Uh, but again, these are like these kind of call outs, these kind of decision making of like I need to be willing to beat the best to get to the title. Those guys rarely make it to the title, right? Like it's right. a it's a rare occasion when uh, uh, um, somebody like Muhammad um, Bilal Muhammad is going to make it to a title shot, even though he's earning of it or, and he deserves or, or, it at the moment. Or Sean Strickland, or, or Sean Michael Strickland, Bisping. right? What what led to Sean Strickland getting a title shot is they needed a la- last last minute replacement, like like that kind of situations where Sean Strickland has a shot of becoming champ. Outside of that he'd have a hell of a time making it to a title shot, right? Like, he's not beating all the guys on the way up. There's a reason everybody wants to fight him in the top five middleweights because they think they can become champ over this guy in particular. Uh, Nikolai, I think that's largely it, right? Viviana Rujo, uh, you know, close competitor first round with Jennifer Maya. Second round, she dominated from top position, and Jennifer Maya did uh, more damage in the third round. Jonathan Martinez's leg kicks are absolutely ferocious, and Adrian Yanez does not know how to le- check a leg kick for his entire life. Michelle Pereira got Petrovsky out of there. Christian Rodriguez is a very serious prospect, but that dude needs to figure out either weight cutting or move up to 145, where he's not going to have the same advantages. And then Darren Elkins came through for me as a two-pointer, and I think that's all that we really have to dive into on this. Yeah, one. that El- that Elkins thing was a good call. That wasn't even competitive. No, no. I mean, yeah, there were moments where I was like, ah, but Elkins just kept getting, like, he was just so much better as a grappler. It wasn't even funny. And if you look at the record, 17 and 11 versus 28 and 11, and that 28 and 11 of Darren Elkins was against a much higher level of competition. Um, it's like I said last week, TJ Brown finds ways to lose winnable fights, and Darren Elkins finds ways to win losable fights. And that's exactly what happened here. Nikolai, it's time, brother. Let's dive into UFC 294. We got a 13th fight uh, a card with a bunch of names that ended in Ev and Ov. 
uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch of fighters that uh, are from the the Caucasus mountains, right from that region where I came from, Tajikistan, uh, Dagestan, Nikolai. Uh, we, we we got a, a bunch of a bunch of Russian related fighters who are settling in in Abu Dhabi as essentially their hometown because they're going to have a lot of support from the from the uh, Muslim community uh, in that country. And this is going to be a fascinating ma- uh, card, man. I'm super psyched for it. I'm going to make my first pick, Nikolai, and my first pick is going to be in the matchup between Mogamed Ankalaev and Johnny Walker. Nick, Johnny Walker. God damn it. That was my Wait, was it first, your first pick. pick? I'm, yeah, I'm really so, glad to hear yes. that. Johnny so Walker. you're going to take, take Walker. <laughs> 100%. J- Johnny Walker, by the way, on a three-fight winning streak, right, under the tutelage of John Kavanaugh. John Kavanaugh, who I've made fun of forever for being a terrible coach. But let's face it. John Kavanaugh can do something with a very athletic specimen, right? That's the truth of the matter. A lot of his fighters are not very athletic. They don't have the durability. They don't have the mental strength to push through some tough moments. I'm not sure that Johnny Walker has the mental strength. I'm not sure that Conor McGregor does, but they have extreme athleticism. They have power, and that goes a long way, especially at 205 pounds, right? Now, does it help Johnny Walker that he faced uh, Paul Craig, Ian Kutilaba, and Anthony Smith on his way into this matchup? Yes, right? Like, Ian Kutilaba slips on every banana peel that's around him. He he almost tries to step on it intentionally. That's how that's how bad his decision making is. Paul Craig, who, you know, doesn't have a whole lot of durability. He dove in for for a sloppy takedown and got smashed immediately. Anthony Smith, a fraction of his former self, uh, who doesn't and his former self is essentially a gatekeeper, right? Essentially a journeyman. Um, and so Johnny Walker's coming into this on a three fight winning streak. But Ankalaev is coming into this, coming off of a draw against Jan Blachowicz in a fight that a lot of people think he should have won, a fight that was competitive. Um, I should say competitive. They had moments in which each guy seemed to be almost dominating, particularly when uh, Ankalaev was in charge, he was dominating. He is fast as hell. His striking is extremely sharp. His wrestling, when he chooses to use it, is really effective. And if his top position game is really solid. We've only seen him lose once, and that was to Paul Craig in his UFC debut in a fight that he was absolutely dominating. And he literally lost with a single second left to spare by triangle choke. If he had known that he has just a second or just a couple seconds left in the fight, he may have not tapped, but he did, Nick. And since then, he's rattled off a bunch of wins. Martian Prashnia, uh, Clayton Abreu, Datu Lungamumbe, Ian Kutilaba, right? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Watching you try to run through that gauntlet of names, I would would pay a quarter to hear that again. I'd get a bag of popcorn. That would be amazing. But but, but the bottom line is that he's he's more recently fought the likes of Nikita Krilov, who is legit. He fought Vulcan Ozdemir, who is a decent test. Fought Tiago Santos. He fought Anthony Smith. And, and, you know, Anthony Smith was an injury situation. I get that. But I do think he has the skill advantage here. Can he get caught by Johnny Walker, who has extreme power? Yes. Is it likely? I'm going to say no. I got uh, Ankalaev to win this fight and to call for a title shot. Yeah. I mean, that's the right, that's the right call for all the right reasons. Um, the reason I'm in the lead, Nikolai, I'm going to keep saying was, this because this might yeah, be the, the only day I'm in the, the lead re- this year. The reason you're in the lead is because I acted like a gambling addict and gave you that crazy frivolous. You made a bad decision. And, I made a bad. Oh, and doing I took it was a, I didn't make a. I didn't make a bad pick. I made a bad decision. You made a bad decision make, and I, I took wanted, advantage of it. Well, yeah, because I wanted to make things more interesting because you getting your ass kicked was boring. You made a bad um, decision and I took advantage of it. And by the way, that only accounts for three points. You were like eight points in the lead at some point. Come on, brother. Let's not get ourselves. Let's go. I am going to, with my first pick, I'm going to pick against the stunningly beautiful uh, 
Jin Frey, who's fighting the also stunningly beautiful Victoria Dudakova. Um, I mean, Dudakova's 24. In her UFC debut, she she broke Estella Nunez's elbow, if I yeah. recall, when she, she knocked her down. Dislocated, Or took her yeah. down hard. There's no way Jin Frey's going to be able to stop that kind of aggression from a fighter that's like 15 years younger from her. Frey's too small for the weight class. She's had a very unimpressive... Uh, UFC run. Her only wins over Gloria De Paula. Well, Ashley Cummins, Gloria De Palma, and uh, Ash and uh, Ashley Yoder, Gloria De Palma, and Ashley Cummings. Like those are not, you know, those are not impressive wins. Um, I think she's probably going to get steamrolled and beat up here, and what's pro- would be her fourth loss in a row, and probably um, retirement. Yeah, probably retirement. Yeah, I mean, or back she- to or back to Invicta. Right, she she is thirty eight years old, right, and you know at this weight class, um, given her low output, it is tough to make the argument for her. But she's fighting Victoria Dudakova, and what Victoria Dudakova does well is she throws some okay looking strikes, and the entire intention behind any of her strikes is to set up her kind of varied and sometimes unconventional takedowns. They can be pretty effective for the regional scene, right? Um, she basically kind of attaches to an opponent, Dudakova does, mm-hmm. once she gets a hold of her and tries not to let go. She'll control him with back takes, with side control, with, with half guard, etc. A pretty decent ground and pound occasionally, but not a whole lot of damage. But she can get stuck on her back. And she'll try for some reversals, right? But like she can be kept on her back with with, uh, with an opponent with the right skill set. She showed uh, grit and content on her contender series fight when her meniscus tore and she like literally just like at some point almost fell down because her knee just popped. And then she just kept fighting like it didn't matter and still won that fight. And she was a big underdog in that one. Here's the thing. Dudakova basically needs a takedown to win this fight. Jin Frey has excellent takedown defense. I think it's at 89% in the UFC. She's only been taken down once or so, maybe twice in, in her UFC career thus far. So the pathway there is not very clear. Now, once Dudakova's on in top position, can she do well? Yes, but can I rely on her to do that? I'm not sure. I think Junior Frey might be a three-point opportunity. It's hard to rely on her because she's extremely low out, but she's she's not young. She's on a losing streak. Where is she mentally? Right? <coughs> but, but I just think Victoria Dudakova hasn't fought the level of competition to really show that 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 she's ready to beat somebody that has such a skill advantage over her. On paper, Junior Frey should be able to avoid takedowns. On paper, she should be able to outstrike Dudakova. Um, so for that reason, I'm glad you're making this pick, and I'm really glad that you're making it this early, Nikolai. Uh, but again, you believe in yourself when it comes to those women's fights. Um, I and am, For, for mm-hmm. good reason. I'm usually right, and I'm probably right here. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, you picked the big favorite, so... You know, more often than not, though, those things tend to work out. I just feel like Jin Frey on paper, the style matchup, might favor a version of her that's confident I think and believes just in herself. Da- I, I, yeah, and, yeah, and I coming that. off of three, how can how at thirty nine coming off of three losses, how confident she can, can she yeah. be feeling? Yeah, no, I, I definitely hear where you're coming from, especially you know, like again, retirement may very well be on her mind going into this one. She's facing a young prospect who's undefeated, et cetera. Granted, undefeated at only seven and zero. Um, my next, and pick, I don't think she's, and I don't think she's won around since De- Vanessa Demopoulos. Yeah, that which one she, she looked that good in. Probably but Vanessa Demopoulos. Yeah, but Demopoulos was also very green coming off the regional scene. And by the way, Demopoulos, a really good grappler who has serviceable stand up, who couldn't really pull off very many takedowns. And and uh, again, she's a good a good grappler, not a great wrestler. That's fair. That that, that is fair. And and in this case, it's. Again, whether Dudakova is a great wrestler is like I like the the variations in her takedowns. I don't think they're the most technical. They can work on the regional scene. Will they work against Junior Frey? That's that's yeah. a curious point. And so I mean, they, they worked against Nunes. Mentioned. 
Um, it worked against Nunes, who's you know I don't think he has a win in the UFC, and you know right. it, it, the the fight was over in like a minute. My next pick is going to be in the matchup, Nikolai, and I'm stalling between Javid Basharat. Oh man, that's my next pick. Go and ahead, Victor. Henry, Sucks. Nick, like sometimes having the first pick can make all the difference in the world, but every time you react this way to one of my picks, I lose that pick. Every time you're like, oh, I really wanted that pick, I end up that ends up being the, the pick that gives you the edge. So so th- that's a good sign in your favor. Nick, Basharat is really well-rounded. He's not like a jack-of-all-trades. He's really sharp, seemingly in every department, right? Very fast striking, solid grappling, particularly good wrestling offensively and defensively. He doesn't have a whole lot of power. He's not necessarily the biggest finisher unless the opponent is tired and just, get, and just getting overwhelmed and wants out. Um, and, and so if there's any knock on him, I guess that would be it. Henry is a Victor Henry. is a pressure swarmer. He's got various strikes at all ranges, right? Close up, he will drop elbows and knees on you. At range, he will drop kicks. At middle range, he has really good hands. He can give up takedowns, though. Two and one in the UFC with wins over Honey Barcelos and Tony Gravely. His losses to Rafael Sansao, and he came into that fight as a decent-sized favorite because everybody assumed that Sansao was way past his prime. Um, I, I, I have to go with Basharat in this one. I, I think Victor Henry, if he would have had all the skills that he has now, uh, that he has now, let's say six or seven years ago when he debuted in the UFC then, he had a real good shot at making a serious run as a top-five-level guy. Um, I don't know that that's going to be the case at this point in his career, at this at this age, right? We, we've talked before about how the lower the weight class, the more of a factor age is. And to be at this much of a disadvantage on paper in this matchup is not going to go in his favor, right? The fact that he's 5'7 to Basharat's 5'9, uh, Basharat has an, only an inch, to be fair, of reach advantage, but it's still a reach advantage. Basharat, as a Muslim fighter, is going to, do, is going to get a lot of support. Uh, I believe he's originally Afghanistani. He's going to get a lot of support in Abu Dhabi, and that's another thing in his favor. It's just a matter, I guess, of whether the pressure will get to him. On top of that, Victor Henry is 36 years old, and, you know, again, at this weight division, at 135 pounds, that can make a big, big difference as far as just being a step shorter, a st- uh, 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 like slightly slowed reflexes, etc. So I've got to take uh, Basharat here, who I think should be able to get takedowns and kind of score clear-cut moments that way. And standing up, it should be relatively competitive. With Bashrod having yeah. a match. Yeah, I would I was gonna pick Bashrod here too. I think I, in general I like Victor Henry. He's that dude who's he's kinda unassuming, no one's really sure where he came from because he had all those fights in Russia. He yeah. reminds me watching him fight of like when you turn on PFL or Bellator and you're like, damn, this guy's good. You yeah, know, it's yeah, like yeah. he's I think that's fair. He's like he kinda he, he uh yeah, I, I enjoy watching him a lot. I root for him, but I'm with you on uh on Basharat, who I think has the bigger upside and um, should be able to dictate a bit about where this fight takes place. Yeah, it's a pretty impressive 14-0 on Basharat, I would say. So, I suppose my next pick is... Uh, let's go. Let's go. Uh, well, let's go with this. I think Mohamed uh, Makayev is is too young, too explosive, too crazy uh, for Tim Elliott. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but I think you're. De- this is one of those one guys on the upside of his career. One guys. Uh, you know, he had, he had a, he had that win against Victor Altamirano, but I think uh, I think out of the I think the surging prospect. Um, should be able to deal with what Elliot's got and <coughs> and kind of match him, 
match him for I think I think that his aggression and and strength uh, and athleticism should be more than Elliot can handle. Yeah, it's interesting with Makayev in that he's undefeated. He talks like he's untouchable, but when you look at his actual, oh, fights, he almost got knee, he almost got knee barred. Yeah, <laughs> when you look or at he his did fights, he did get knee barred. I mean, he he basically got his knee popped. Um, and and kind of the, that's that's part of the concern, right? So there's some stats that are not promising for Makayev. What would you, if you had to guess, Nick? What would you say his takedown defense percentages in the UFC? Um, if you had to guess. 50%. Nick, his takedown defense in the UFC, 0%. Oh, that's a bad number. That's a bad number, right? Now, to be fair, there's only two takedowns that were attempted on him. One was by Cody Durden, who's a pretty good wrestler. One yeah. was by Malcolm Gordon, who, you know, I guess, you know, I guess is, is, is all right. Um, has some skill in the grappling range. Um, and he armbarred him, by the way. And, I can't and, remember if it was off of that takedown, but... It wasn't off the takedown. It was actually <coughs> Gordon won. Gordon won round two, if I remember correctly. And then Basharat came, uh, Muhammad, excuse me, Makayev came back in round three and got the submission. And he's got two submissions in within the last minute of the third round, to his credit, right? Uh, and again, you mentioned that last matchup in which his knee was popped. That was, how long ago was that fight? It was March 18th, 23. That wasn't that long ago for your knee to get popped as it was. So again, there, there's some risk in this matchup in that Tim Elliott, who's, He's funky. He's weird. If there's one thing he's good at, it's wrestling. And it's unconventional wrestling. The kind of wrestling that might just work on Makayev. The question is, can he keep him down? I'm not so sure. Tim Elliott's really good at t- getting that top position. But if you have some skills grappling, you should be able to get out of there. Um, Makayev, you're right. Like, he's got the age advantage. Um, on, on paper, he's got the athleticism advantage, right? He is square in the middle of his prime. There's a 14-year difference in this matchup, Nick. Makayev was born in the year 2000. Tim Elliott was born in 1986. That is rather stark especially for this weight division right where age can be a real factor with Timelia now being about uh, about to turn 39 years old if my if my math is correct um the the other statistic that's really not in favor of Makayev do you know how many strikes per minute he lands Nick what would you guess Nick Nikolai oh I was on mute um uh, strikes per minute uh 4.2 Nick, he lands 1.14 strikes per minute. Yeah, his stats are not great. Yeah, it doesn't. It really doesn't look great on paper. Is Tim Elliott the guy to take advantage of it? I mean, dude has motherfucking craft for days. The question is, how in shape will he be? The question is, how much of a factor is the fact that Makayev is going to have the crowd on his side? Um, look, I, I agree with you about Makayev. It's just like this matchup on paper seems to have some holes in it um, and, and has pathways for, for Tim Elliott to do well, uh, not the least of which being that Muhammad Makayev has looked very, very human in some of those matchups and the fact that he is coming off of what should be a pretty serious injury. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Shara Magomedov and Bruno Silva. Shara is 17-0 in mixed martial arts, Nick. He is 18-2 in kickboxing. He's a high-output kick game, right? Just like non-stop, consistent kicks at kicking range at all times, no matter what. If you look at any moment of his fight, he is throwing a goddamn kick. He really throws punches, but when he does, he uses some of those kicks that he's been throwing to set up the punches that he's going to throw, right? He'll fake a kick, hop into punching range, and cop pop, hit you nice and clean, nice and quickly. He uses kick feints uh, to set up, uh, like, I would say overall his big strikes, but his kicks are his big strikes. He throws everything from roundhouses to sidekicks to crescent kicks to spinning back kicks, spinning back fists, all of the above, Nick, everything fancy he's into. Takedown defense is good against regional, but kind of 
inexperienced opposition, right? Like how will that hold up at the UFC level is part of the question. Um, and what he tends to do is when you go for a takedown and he stuffs it, he tends to punish you for it. He makes you think twice about going for another takedown. Bruno Silva, however, he's been reliable for one thing. He's down to strike. Will he go for takedowns occasionally? Yes. Is he good at it? Not really. Is he is he going to do damage from top position? He can. If, if, if he's in top position, he's throwing ground and pound, he can knock people out. He's got heavy hands. But... I don't know that I can rely on him to do that here. I think he's the guy that they bring in as a setup for a serious up-and-coming striker at middleweight. We saw that with uh, Alex Pereira. He was competitive, right? He he didn't go away easily, but he got knocked down in his next fight, partially because of the damage he took in that fight. And I don't know where his durability is going to be against uh, Shara Mogomedov's kicks. I'm going to take Shara Mogomedov. Uh, I think he could be a real prospect. He's got he's got real potential between his athleticism, his speed, his kicking game, his experience in kickboxing. This is a guy to watch out for. What you got, boy? <coughs> Sorry, I was just making a note and spelling out Sharabuddin Megamedov took me, you know, took me a little bit of time. There's a reason I said I, I just called him Shara. Man, that's a lot of pronunciation to do between his first and last name. And I'm from that w- part of the world, mind you. By the way, he's a Dagestani, right? So not a Dagestani wrestler. The opposite of a Dagestani wrestler. He's a Dagestani guy who throws 100 million kicks. Um, I think overall uh, that people from that Russian fighters, Arabic fighters are going to are matched up well and are going to have a lot of success on this card. One of them, uh, I think, is going to be Ikram uh, Asakarov, who he had some big fights canceled recently against the Russian sniper, against Paulo Costa, but uh, he looked pretty fucking cool against, uh, like, putting Phil Hawes to sleep. <coughs> and he got a sweet finish on the Contender Series as well. And Warley Alves is just seems like one of those guys that's I don't I'm, I was shocked actually to see him on this card. I feel like he's been around forever, uh, and uh, yeah, I guess he's been he's been in the UFC since uh, for nine years somehow, and he's that guy that's got a win over Colby Covington eight years ago, but he hasn't really had an impressive moment since then. Um, you know, he did he did kind of expose Manir Laziz a couple of years ago, but is uh, I I don't I think that the power uh, you know we saw him recently um, get floored by Jeremiah Halls. I can't remember if Dalby hurt him, but I think Ikram has uh, has the power um, to take this guy out just as uh, just as James Krause and Jeremiah Wells did beforehand. Yeah, I, I don't know that he's going to knock him out. Although Ikram, you know, to his credit, got a knockout on his UFC debut in a matchup where, you know, you don't expect him to get a knockout. Although he got a knockout over a guy that's been knocked out clean several times in just such a matchup. Um, so here's the thing. Uh, Ikram is a really good grappler. He's, by the way, his, his one loss is to, uh, is to the guy who's in the co-main event in this matchup to Kamzat Chumayev years ago in a fight that he looked pretty decent in until he got knocked out. Um, so Ikram is not a great stand-up striker, but he does have some natural power. Um, he does some fundamentals well, but he doesn't look smooth there, right? But his grappling is really solid. He attaches himself to you and does not let you go until, you know, until you want a way out, and he will show you that way out. And Warley Alvis, who's not known for his cardio, took this on relatively short notice, coming into this matchup and fighting in the other guy's kind of home turf, um, where Ikram is going to get the support. 
And I don't love his chances for that reason, right? Worley already is now known for his cardio, and he's taking this on relatively short notice on the opposite side of the world. Um, so, yeah, it, it is as dangerous as Worley is, and he could score a knockout over over you know plenty of people at this level. Um, I, I think Alaskarov can be a can be a top like let's say top twelve quality welterweight at, at worst, and and I think this is the kind of test that he should be able to pass here. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was matched up with. Um, was he matched up with who? I think it was matched up with Paulo Costa, if I'm not mistaken, at some point before they switched Paulo over to the company. Yeah, he was matched up. He's been he had fights with Costa and the Russian sniper that were canceled in Mavo. Yep. Yeah. That that all sounds about right. My next pick. That's because it is right. Be, Asshole. Settle down, young man. Settle down. My next pick is going to be. Oh, this is hard. This is this is where it gets harder for me to make these picks, Nikolai. Harder for me to. To orient which is the more favorable pick. I'm going to take, let me see, that one's risky, that one's risky, that one's risky. I think I'm going to dive into the main event, Nick. The matchup between Islam Makhachev and Alexander Volkanovsky. It's no secret, Nikolai. I think Alexander Volkanovsky is the greatest fighter in the history of mixed martial arts. I think he is the best fighter on the planet right now, it's safe to say. Um, I think that skill for skill, he he is better than almost everybody on the UFC roster in almost every category. Um, in, I should say in every category, right? There's very few that are better than him at any one element of martial arts, whether it be uh, grappling, whether it be uh, wrestling, whether it be um, striking, right? There's very few people that in any division in the sport that are better than him at any of that, even if those people don't have any skills in the other areas. He's got grit for days. He never gives up. He stays calm in the most dire of situations, and he gets himself out of trouble. His, and as soon as he gets himself out of trouble, he goes at you 100%. He's got cardio his combination, for days. His he's combination, got game planning like very few other people on this planet. It's, he's relatively short, but he's got an insanely long reach. He's physically extremely strong for 145 or 155, as we saw in that last matchup against um, uh, against Mahachev. Who's who's the problem is that he's better. taking this Can you fight hear me? on Can you about hear me? eleven days' notice. The problem is also Who? that in mid July he had surgery. I think for his hand, if I'm not mistaken, and it was a six week recovery, right? So that puts him from mid July to about to about early September, right, where he he had rehab in that period of time. From early September until about, what was it, a week ago that that this matchup was made? From that point until that point, we're talking about four weeks where he wasn't in training camp, where he expected to fight in in something like like, uh, March or April, right? He thought he was fighting uh, Ilya Teporia, a very different kind of stylistic matchup. He was not in training camp. He's going over now to Islam Makhachev's neck of the woods, where he's going to get the credit from judges if needed. He's going to get the support of the crowd. He's not going to have that shorter way into fight window that was the case in Australia when they fought the first time. And quite frankly, if Islam Makhachev wants to finagle something and use IVs and what have you, he can get away with it in that part of the world more than anywhere else on planet Earth, right? Because there were some rumblings about Islam Makhachev using an IV to recover uh, after his weigh-in, and, and, I, and, I, and I happen to believe that that likely did happen based on some of the things that his manager and he himself said. Um, the problem is again short notice. Volkanovski's known for his cardio. Will he have that same level of cardio here? We can't expect him to. Volkanovski is known for his durability, but Islam Makhachev, you know, 
paused them a couple times when he landed some hard shots. Islam has a great counter cross. He has a great counter right hook from that southpaw stance, right? And and so can Volkanovsky avoid being hurt when he's tired? That's a part of the concern. I think to Volkanovsky's advantage in that first matchup, early on in the fight, he was extremely careful about Islam's wrestling. He was extremely careful about Islam's grappling. And I think Volkanovsky was trying to avoid engaging him in those ranges. Eventually, he realized, wait, I can grapple him. I can take him down, and I can do well from top position. He's not a wizard off of his back in a way that he's just impossible to deal with. He's just excellent from top position. Um, and so Volkanovsky goes into this fight knowing that he can take top position. He's going into this fight with game planning that involves getting out of that body triangle rather than just landing strikes. To be honest with you, I thought Volkanovsky won that first fight. I thought that he won rounds three, four, and five. Round four is debatable because in round four, um, Islam Akhshev has his back for a good portion of that round. But Volkanovsky landed repeated strikes. And Islam Akhshev was trying to hide away from those strikes and was doing nothing offensive while holding Volkanovsky from his back, right? And so on paper, a dominant position in which you are getting hit and you can't do anything about it. Volkanovsky was doing damage. That's why he won that first round, fourth round in my book. That's why he deserved that decision. Volkanovsky dropped him. Uh, he dazed him once and he dropped him another time, even though Islam Makhachev did daze Volkanovsky once or twice. I think he brought him to a knee at one point. So the power, you know, on paper could go either way. Islam Makhachev didn't have actual true, legit five-round hard fight experience leading up to that matchup. He does now. But in the meantime, Volkanovsky stayed active. He stayed busy. He defended his belt at 145. But another factor in it is that Volkanovsky focused on getting bigger for their first matchup. He didn't have the chance to do it here, right? He's not going to be the kind of bigger where he's, he's just put on more muscle. He's going to be the kind of bigger where he didn't have as much of a training camp, so he has a little more body fat. For those reasons, I have to edge, regrettably, I have to edge Islam Makhachev. If Alexander Volkanovsky was a plus 250 underdog or above, I would have gone with him because I have a special place in my heart for that man. I think he's fantastic in every goddamn way conceivably possible. But... For two points, I don't know if it's worth taking that risk on Volkanovsky, given that every variable seems to be in Islam Makhachev's advantage, except that Volkanovsky now has a legitimate feeling for how good Islam is everywhere, and he knows how to respond to that. Will Islam suddenly be much better in a hard-fought five-round fight? I don't know, but I don't know that I can expect Volkanovsky to be fresh enough in rounds four and five to do quite as much as he did. There's a chance that he is, but the fact that he's coming off of surgery, it's one thing he's coming off the couch, he's coming off of surgery, and I don't love that shit. So... I'm going to lean Islam Makhachev. I genuinely, genuinely hope to be wrong. This is almost kind of a, a hedge in that it's a win-win. If Islam wins, at least I got a good pick. If Volkanovsky wins, then God damn it, that is best case scenario. So I'm going to go with Islam Makhachev to beat Volkanovsky, given that every variable uh, on paper seems to be in his favor when it comes to the intangibles. Yeah, it's just like <clears throat> I wish this. I wish this fight was taking place under different circumstances. The I'm actually hedging Volkanovsky because of all the reasons why you love him. He's got the best conviction, the best composure, the best fight IQ. He makes the best adjustments. And I think he's just, I think he's a bit smarter and a bit more composed in there um, than Islam is. And we also, he knows what he felt in the fourth and fifth rounds. He knows now the answer to some questions. And I don't, I question whether he would have taken this fight if he didn't believe in his body. Um, so, I I mean, this is going to be really, really interesting to see. I like both of these guys. I think there's something sort of naively charming and innocent about about Makachev and the way that he goes about his business. I like that he's pretty – he's just a respectful sportsman. 
is is and but Volkanovsky is just you're right like every everything you say about him he's um he's just incredible uh so I wish this fight was happening on more even ground but uh we'll see what happens interesting pick you've made I probably would have picked Volkanovsky for the the extra points uh but instead I'm gonna take although I maybe should go after the extra points here in the co-main event I'm gonna take the favorite uh Hazmat Shmaev um over Usman uh, and for for a couple a couple of reasons, yeah, we saw my, we saw Chimaev have a little bit of trouble with Gilbert Burns in a really exciting fight, but Gilbert Burns, I think, you know, overall has a more diverse and challenging game for a guy like Chimaev than Usman does. Like I think that just the explosiveness of the grappling and when the size of Chimaev at middleweight. Um, if he's if he throws a jab, I think it's gonna you know I think he's I think he's got a little bit more reach, but um, I just think he's gonna be really strong for Usman. I remember we saw Usman get boxed up by Colby Covington, and Shamayev hits a lot harder than Colby Covington, and he's gonna touch Usman at some point. I also think that his shots are so explosive. I don't see, I, yeah, I don't see Usman coming off those two losses. Um, and looking a little stagnant in this in the last one, um, you know, if if the fight gets out of the second round, then you know it maybe like things change. But I think I think we're gonna, we haven't seen a ton of middleweight Shemaev, and I think he, I think he's just going to be a buzzsaw in there. I think he's going to be an awful lot for Usman to deal with. Yeah, I think it's it's a possibility, but I do think a lot of the odds and a lot of that stuff is contingent upon the fact that Kamar Usman is way past his prime, and we haven't seen Leon Edwards compete since he beat Usman um, those two times, and so it's hard to tell. Is Leon Edwards that fucking good? If he had already faced Colby Covington, we would have had more of a clear vision for how where Usman is, right? And and he I don't think Usman's been- washed. I just think Usman's really good at doing the thing Usman does. I, yeah, well, I he just... is, and if he is good at what he does, then he should be good at avoiding takedowns from Kamzat Shemaev, right? And I know nobody really... who uh-huh. who is that big, that strong, and that fast that shot on him before. Well, uh, maybe maybe nobody that has all of those combination of factors, but you know, Kamzat doesn't have nearly the level of experience. We know that Kamzat mm-hmm. was very careful when it came to grappling with Gilbert Burns. Granted, because Gilbert Burns is really dangerous once you get to the floor, not uh, less of a factor. When you know when you're on your way down, but Kamaru Usman, you know, from everything we've seen, there's no reason to believe that he's just going to get out wrestled here, right? Unless he's really just out of shape. He trains at elevation to begin with, mind you, but unless he's really out of shape. Um, two is, and, and I think this goes for Volkanovski and Usman as well. They must have each gotten a tremendous amount of money to take this fight because they certainly didn't need to, right? Like the negotiations wasn't in like whether or not they're willing to take the fight is whether or not they're going to get paid enough for this to be worth uh, potentially tarnishing their legacy, giving up their positions, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I would imagine that Alexander Volkanovsky is going to get a few million dollars out of this fight, like at least. And I don't know what his regular pay is, give or take, including. Yeah, that's like, that's, that's almost in Ganu money. It's almost in Ganu. Yeah, it's, it's almost. And again, you better be a fucking pound for pound best fighter on the planet taking a fight on short notice to get heavyweight money if you're not a heavyweight. Um, but in any case, uh, Usman, 
He's got the jab that can give Kamzat Shumayev a lot of trouble. It's not like Kamzat's going to toss his jab and Usman's going to drop like happened with Gilbert Burns. In fact, both of these guys hurt Gilbert Burns with their jabs. Um, I think that, yeah, Kamzat Shumayev is fast as fuck and he's a big dude. But I don't know, Mar- man. Colby Covington hurt Usman with jabs. And I can tell you, Shumayev's going to hit well, the jab. Well, he didn't, he didn't hurt him harder. with jabs, but he did buzz him. Mm. It's true. It's he fair. knocked his like, head back. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he snapped well, his head back once or twice. It seems like uh, Kamzat has a two-inch height advantage, but Usman has a one-inch reach advantage. So on paper, you know, it's, it, I think part of that is because Kamzat's shoulders are very narrow. Um, on paper, I think this gives Usman's jab the opportunity to land because it's give or take even. Two inches one way, one inch the other way, right? Like, it's not a huge difference in size. Um, again, I like the fact that Kamaru Usman trains at elevation. So if he's coming off you know, of training, but not necessarily pushing himself, training hard, if he on paper was going to fight uh, um, Bilal Muhammad, he should be in okay shape. Presumably maybe in better shape than Volkanovski, who, again, coming off of rehab, potentially coming off of the couch. I'm sure they both train at all times, but uh, the elevation element, I think, can help Kamaru Usman. I think Kamaru Usman has a higher, just a slightly higher chance than does Volkanovski, given the circumstances. I just think the circumstances are not as bad for him. The fact that this is a three-round fight, I actually think favors comes out Shumayev because if it was a five-rounder, Usman, yeah. even coming off of give or take the couch, should have the advantage. He's been there many times. We saw how tired Shumayev got in that Gilbert Burns matchup, and it's not like he's fought a whole bunch of times since. And let's face it, Kamzat really relies on and has success in fighting fighters that he can easily submit or easily knock out. And on paper, Kamaru Usman is not that guy. But we did see Usman dominated in that first round in the rematch uh, in the first fight against Leon Edwards, where Leon took top position and held it. And there was not really much that uh, that Kamaru Usman could do to get out of that position. Not that he was taking a whole lot of damage, but comes out on paper will be trying to do a whole lot of damage, which should give Usman the ability to to get out from under that position. I guess I'm gonna. Edge comes out because the three-round fight, he has a crowd in his favor. Although, both are, to be fair, I believe both are Muslim fighters, if I'm not mistaken. I think Kamaru Usman might be Muslim. He's just not one that really, uh, you know, talks about it much or, 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 or it doesn't seem to be a big part well, of his life. It's, it's just his pro- it, well, it's just his projection. He does seem like a very proud guy. He's certainly proud of his Nigerian heritage. But for this yeah, crowd, for this crowd, he's, you know, he's, he's Marty from Michigan or whatever. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a very good point. A nice reference. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm giving the edge that comes out. Um, I, I'm not super confident. I think these odds, uh, would, would on paper at least suggest a bet on Kamar Usman. You can get him at plus two fifty, motherfucker. Come on. Kamar Usman, maybe the best welterweight of all time. Taking this fight, granted, on short notice, but against a former welterweight, right? Like, yo, G- don't, don't even say that. G- don't. He's not. Was not better than GSP. Take I don't know. Back. If you look at GSP's competition, I think the argument could be made. Is all I'm saying. You can only you can only fight who's in there, and GSP did not get. While with you know, G- yeah, GSP did not get uh, head kick laid out like that. No, he did get knocked the fuck out by a journeyman, though. That oh, was I'm sorry. very. He, yeah, I'm sorry. He got sorry, sorry. He got TKO'd uh, and then tapped out. He got TKO'd and tapped out against the journeyman don't, dude. I, I don't count that run. That was that was like rookie GSP. I don't count. That, that was not rookie GSP. That was GSP that was on, his, on his just look on his at his second title deep title reign. Deep title reign. Deep no, it title wasn't. Reign, that was GSP. His, that was his first. That was his. I think that was his first defense. Was it really? Yeah. I'm gonna quickly look up his record. Nick, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But I'm I'm curious. I have to look into this quickly. Let me see. He beat. Matt Sarah, 
Let me see. He lost to Matt Serra after beating Matt Hughes. Yeah, that was, uh, you're right. That was his first title defense. But still, man, still, like, it's it's not an excusable loss. I'm sorry. Like, this is not, he he not only got knocked out, he tapped out, Nick. It's, it, it, it doesn't his hand, his and, hand His uh, hand was flying. I will, I, Koscheck, Shields, Condit, Diaz, Hendricks, Bisbing. I think that's, I think Condit, that's a pretty Diaz, good run. Condit, Diaz, and Koscheck. It's like, a pretty good run. Is it Kamara Wilson's run? I'm Fitch, not sure. Look, then, it's debatable. Then there was Fitch, Tiago, steroid Tiago Alves at UFC 100. Steroid Tiago Alves is a pretty good win. Pretty good. Like, pretty good. Like, pl- plenty of people are on steroids uh, in the UFC now. Not and he much, got and frankly. he got the win back against Matt Serra. Ooh, he beat Matt Serra. You see and, the fact that you are he, giving him credit beat, for Matt Serra wins. He, everything. <laughs> well, no, I think avenging a loss is like is psychologically always powerful. Yeah, I can see it. Uh, look, um, look and, uh, I'm, and, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm not done. I'm he also debatably. beat Usada, pre-Usada Johnny Hendricks. Yeah, no, I mean, he arguably did not beat John Hendricks. But, uh, but, but, um, the, but part of my point is, debatably, Kamaru Musman is number one or number two best welterweight of all time. He really legitimately is good. I think Tarn Woodley was trying to make that argument. That man is insane. He has, he has no shot at that, at that conversation. In any case, I'm giving Combs out a slight edge, um, probably a little bit less confidently than, than you. But, man, I, I still I like to believe in Kamaru. I like the guy. I like him more than Combs. I think Combs is kind of an asshole, to be honest with you. He's a, he's a mental and physical bully. He's... He's very immature in a lot of ways, and, and I'm sure once he gets the mic after this win, we're going to get to see some of that uh, immaturity come out, especially given everything that's going on in, in the world today. Uh, there's a decent way to handle this kind of issue, and I tend to think that comes out will not be a guy who's going to handle it decently. Um, my next pick is going to be in the matchup between Mike Breeden and Anshul Jubilee. I'll be honest with you. I'm tempted to take Mike Breeden at plus 250. He's been starched a couple times in the UFC, granted, right? Like, like there, there's there, he's winless in the UFC. There's reason to not believe in the guy. And Anshul Jubilee is undefeated, granted, only 7-0. Pretty inexperienced guy. And he he won that um, road to the UFC Asian tournament thing and 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 got a you know a pretty decent win there where he was able to get takedowns after he was having some trouble on, on the feet against a pretty heavy hitter. And in this matchup... It just feels like Mike Breeden could, if he doesn't get knocked out early, he gets stronger over the course of a fight. And I can see Anshul being tired over the course of that fight. I can see Mike Breeden get, putting it on him late in the fight. And Anshul Jubilee um, is not, from what I understand it, I could be mistaken, but he's not necessarily Muslim. I know he's Indian um, as far as like where he, where he trains out of, where, where, where he is. And so I wonder, I wonder whether he's necessarily going to have the support of the crowd. Um, I'm not sure. And so I'm not sure how much of a factor that will be in this matchup, but Mike Breeden being winless in the UFC is a bad sign. I just feel like he's a he's kind of a, a a guy that will put pressure on you. He'll put some punches on you. He's not powerful, but he's got pretty good hands. And he's a guy that, again, in that third round is going to be every bit as fresh as he is in the first round. In fact, probably better in the third round. Um, he's got plenty of grit. Uh, he's not the most durable, though, and he's not very physically imposing. I'm going to... I'm going to edge uh, Unshul Jubilee, but there's a chance I might change this to a three-pointer uh, in favor of Mike Breeden. Cool. A uh, couple of fights left to zoom through. I... Is this guy Italian? No, he's, he's Tajik. Um, yeah, I'm going to go through my natural uh, habit of always picking Nermies. I'm going to take like, Saeed Nurmagomedov's loss against Jonathan Martinez is looking not that bad. Um, after uh, watching Martinez fight, uh, his last fight, I'm going to go with uh, Saeed over Muin uh, Gafarov. 
Yeah, I actually think Moingafarov is a pretty talented guy, but he's had moments in which he's looked very human. Um, he he can go for takedowns. He he looked tired to the latter part of his UFC debut, but that was on very short notice against a tough opponent. Um, I'm going to edge Sayyid Nurmagomedov, but I do think he's overrated. I just feel like his UFC experience, his size advantage, he's a sharper striker. He's got good takedown defense. That should, on paper, be enough to to win Saeed this fight. But, uh, you know, don't necessarily underestimate Muin, which, uh, you know, I don't necessarily think you're doing. My next pick, and this is, I believe, my last pick, Nikolai. Uh, I'm going to take... Uh, I think I'm going to take... This is hard for me, to be quite honest with you. I think I'm going to take the... Ch- uh, should I take the chance? Or should I take the... I think I'm going to take the chance on Abu Azatar to beat Cedric Dumas. Cedric is a good kickboxer. Not super durable. Can be taken down. Can be controlled. Abu Azatar is a pressure fighter. He's got serious power. He's got some physicality. Good clinch game. and He can land strikes from there. The problem is that he gets tired. He's not young. He's in his late 30s. And he fights every like three years. And so it's hard to be confident in Abu, but for two points, I think it's worth a swing. I'm going to take Abu Azatar to beat Cedric Dumas. I might just regret, I'm probably going to regret this. So do I have one? I have one pick left. Yes. Two fights left, but you, there's only one. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, I like our, I like our boy, um, Oh, wait a minute. This guy. Shit, this is a tough, tough fight to pick. Oh, fuck. Oh, that's a hell with it. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go with Nathaniel Wood. Uh, to beat Mohamed Naimov. Yeah, Naimov against Malarkey looked not good until he knocked out Malarkey. And... Malarkey's durability has been uh, on the has been on the downgrade, and I think it, yeah I just there's Nathan Wood ha, Nathan Wood hasn't shown um, that he's gonna that anyone's gonna walk over him, and I I think uh, I, that was a really impressive victory against Malarkey, but I, I just going off of that I'm not going to assume that uh, he's gonna beat a fighter. Uh, the level uh, of wood, the you know the only one person who's really um, hurt him bad with strikes was was John Dodson, who we know is an insane hitter, um, who hurt who's hurt everybody. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Wood here and his in his overall game. It also took Nayimov a real long time to get going against Malarkey, and I think Wood can take advantage of that. You're, I can't. You're on mute. You're on mute. Oh, thanks for that. Uh, for the record, I think uh, Naimov. Uh, I'm sorry. I think Wood was knocked down in his last fight against Andre Philly as well. Um, and so, like again, there, there's there's some concerns in this matchup. You have to factor in one thing about that loss of Naimov to uh, Jamie Malarkey is that he took that on very short notice, days notice, at 155 pounds. He fights at 145 overall. This fight is at 145. Right? He's got he's got a traditional martial arts background, decent takedown defense, good takedown offense. Um, trains at elevation fight team. So, like, the cardio is not going to be bad for this one for him, right? He's got sharp hands, usually two sh- explosive shots at a time, varied kicking game, won his UFC debut on a few days' notice, um, like you kind of alluded to. 
And then we got Nathaniel Wood, who like puts a lot of pressure on. He makes good decisions in there. He can be reliable uh, for high output striking, which is a big difference maker in the current day of martial arts. Mixes in crisp boxing and fast kicks. Really is effective on the front foot when he's pushing forward, when he's pressuring, and not nearly as effective when he's being backed up. So part of the, the thing that will decide this fight is, I think, who's able to push forward effectively. He's got a solid ground game. Also pressures um, from top position, gets takedowns when he needs to, when the fight is a little bit too competitive standing up. 7-2 in the UFC uh, under Brad Pickett, who you know obviously used to train at American top team. Here's the thing. I think Naimov for three points might be worth a swing. But I've seen Naimov overwhelmed uh, later in a fight before once or twice in, in my tape study. And I could see Nathaniel Wood's numbers doing that to him. But this is, again, Naimov's quote-unquote hometown much more so than it is Wood's. And I don't know what the flight is like from, from uh, England to the UAE, but I'd imagine that it's not very short. Um, and so I, I definitely see where you're coming from. Nathaniel Wood's a huge favorite. I just feel like he's way too big of a favorite given how, how, how skilled and explosive Naimov is given how Wood has recently hey. not been looking super durable. I agree with that. Uh, but, but again, um, but like, 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 given these odds, uh, given many factors, I think you're making the right pick. And then we have Trevor Peak versus uh, Muhammad Yahya. Do you have any thoughts about this one? Any feels, Nick? Zero feels. Any, you, you willing to pick a person or not even? God damn no. Mark. All right. Uh, Muhammad Yahya, he can be hurt. He can be hittable. Sharpish standing. He's got a sharp one, too. Not very high output. But he's got a lot of five-round experience. Trevor Peak has zero skill in any area. He makes terrible decisions at all times. No grappling. He hits really hard, and he swings really well, and he's pretty aggressive. And so Yaya should have the uh, crowd advantage. He should have the skill advantage on paper. Not necessarily going to have the durability advantage. Um, not necessarily going to have the power advantage. So on paper, it's a close matchup. Um, I'm going to edge slightly toward Trevor Peak, who can potentially hurt him and, and, and maybe just go absolutely berserk and get him out of there, but easily could go. Mohamed Yaya's way, who's the much more skilled fighter on paper. Nick, that'll do it for this one. Quickly, my first pick was Ankalaev. My second pick was Basharat. My third pick was uh, Shara Magomedov. My fourth pick was Islam Makhachev. Fifth, I took Ansul Jubli, which I might change to Mike Breeden for three points. And my sixth pick was, was Abu Azatar. Your first pick was Victoria Davidova. Second pick was Mohamed Makhachev. Your third pick was Isla. Uh, Ikram Aliskerov. Your fourth pick was Kamzat Chimaev over Kamara Usman. Your fifth pick was Said Nurmagomedov. And your last pick was uh, Nathaniel Wood to beat Mohamed Naimov. That'll do it for this one, Nick. I'm excited to dive into it. I'm excited to watch it, man. And, uh, and uh, you know, again, me being half a point ahead, we're basically tied at this point. So this should this should get pretty interesting. Yeah, also, just for, you know, anyone that's listening, remember, uh, this is on the other side of the world. The um, the prelims start at 10 a.m. and the pay per view is at 2 p.m. That's a great note, Nick. I actually like I should have thought of looking that up. I had no idea, uh, but yeah, that, that should be interesting, especially if we can be done with it by like evening time and maybe have a night on Saturday. How about them apples, Nick? Being in good I'm spirits from 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 the fact that I am officially oh, oh, uh, I, you know I, put I, some I, gap I, put some distance between us in our scoring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna be I have my daughter at swim lessons, so maybe I can watch on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> uh, go for it, bud. Cool, man. All right. Good one in the books. Looking forward to connecting next week, buddy. Oh, by the way, the, there's no card next week. There's a card in two weeks, so we're actually going to be going to go dark next week in all likelihood. Yeah, and, and then, then break they down get the, J- the J- for Jate Leno made a Derek Lewis, I think. Yeah, which should be extremely competitive. Man. That'll be interesting. Uh, sarcasm. Cool. That was all sarcasm. No, I did. I did think it would be. I did think it would be interesting. Like, you think it would be Derek Lewis? Well, you don't know what Derek Lewis is going to show up. You know, the the one that's shown up the last five or six times. I mean, Although, I think I think what's likely is Derek. 
I did. I think what's likely is that, you know, Derek Lewis gets ankle picked or taken down and, you know. Anyway. Yeah, uh, in all, cool. in all, yeah. all right, buddy. Have a good and one. You too.